episode 31, Dixit is overrated. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The games we play with Brian and Chris. Hey! hey! And welcome back to the games we play. I'm your host, Brian, and my co-host with me is... Chris. Welcome, Ooh. Chris. And this is the games we play, a podcast really mainly about board games, but we do talk yeah. about miniatures and tabletop, and really it's always about the games we play. And this week we will be talking about a game called Cult Express. This is actually... I think a 2015 Spiel de Jar. Say I can't talk. <laughs> Spiel de Jar uh, winner. So this is actually a really good family game. And it's a lot of fun. Just the theme. And it's just silly and quirky. And looks really cool on the table. And yeah. uh, so we, it'll be fun to talk about. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that. We'll be talking about the what's on your table and our love and hate as usual. I'm not going to promise anything. The last two weeks I said, hey, we could squeeze something in. And, well, we managed to talk about a lot of other games and uh, ran out of time. So I'm not going to promise or hint anything. But so this week, Chris, a bunch of games came in. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I got, a, I got a lot of games coming in. Um, so a couple games I'm really excited about is I got... Architects of the West Kingdom. I don't know if you've heard of this game. Heard of it. Don't know much about it. No, a lot about it. I've heard of it. Sure. Like you probably heard of like Raiders of the North Sea. Maybe some other uh, listeners. Um, So the Raiders of the North Sea actually has like a trilogy game. It's like of the North Sea. So they're they're all like the same universe, but like different gameplay. Well, they're doing the same with um, of the West Kingdom. So we have Paladins of the West Kingdom, I believe is the newest one. Yes. And then Architects of the West Kingdom. So I picked up Architects of the West Kingdom, which is the first one, mainly because it wasn't sold out like Paladins. Uh, so really looking forward to it. It's like a worker placement game, which I'm starting to like those a lot more. I don't know. I just kind of enjoy it. Um, we'll see how that gets implemented. And I got uh, Takedo. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, sure. Sounds good to me. You know, it's that one that looks really cool. It has like that white board and it looks really fancy. Uh, but I got that. It's, a, I believe, a somewhat older game. You know, actually, let me check that out. A few moments later. I don't even know how to spell it. Starts with a T. One eternity later. T-O-K-A-I-D-O. Takedo. Takedo? Yeah, it was a t- 2012 game. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so it's a um, it's like a point-to-point movement, set collection, variable player powers, and it's like a Japanese theme. So it's very, like, the aesthetics and the artwork on it, it looks really cool. Heard a lot of good things, so I, I picked that one up, and I got some uh, a bunch of miniature paint. So, <laughs> funny story. Yeah. So I started painting those, uh, those Nemesis miniatures, oh. you know, we talked yeah. about that i think last yeah. week so i got a primed sweet that's easy that's fairly hard to screw up and then i started painting and this was with really no guide just kind of thinking of what i want to do and it came out pretty bad or bland so <laughs> i mean what are you gonna do no, i, I mean it. that's that's actually what i what i did so i'm i stripped them or stripping them right now they're soaking the solution um i i need to get that scrubbed down in the morning and then i'm going to reprime them but 
I found a couple of painting guides that I really like, and so I'm going to incorporate a couple of them together um, just to kind of get the paint scheme. And so I had to order some new paint to kind of accomplish what I want. So we'll see what happens. I think I can paint by numbers a lot better than just going off the top of my head. I'm not that artistic, uh, no, but I under- yeah, I understand the fundamentals of painting. I'm just not creative enough to come up with it out of thin air so definitely uh failed miserably on that i didn't even take pictures because they looked (laughs) they looked terrible (laughs) they looked really really bad so painting is not my game maybe we'll just leave it to like uh you know like Corey or something yeah yeah exactly so any games you got this week yeah actually uh jamie and i introduced uh friends of ours jenny and thomas to that's pretty clever and um we they really love that they're so they have several young kids and they grew up pre uh when they first got married pre uh pre kids playing settlers of Catan all night long they said so they've they've had they even have carcassonne and i don't oh, yeah. like i don't even think they opened it yet and played oh, that really yeah yeah wow. so that they just told stories of how they just used to uh play uh, Settlers of Catan till the wee hours of the morning with various friends and stuff. And that was their go-to game and play. And then they started having kids and, and kids got in the way of playing games. And now <laughs> yeah, the kids are truth. older. Yeah. The kids are older at the stage. So um, they, they've started uh, listening to the podcasts and stuff. And, and so it's funny because Jenny asked Jamie and, and about games and stuff and Jamie comes text me and stuff. And so, so we've, um, brought some games over and so we we uh the last one we uh did with them we shared can't stop um uh, gosh what else uh a few other games like that gateway type oh quacks at quinlanburg they really like that oh yeah and just this last weekend um that we uh we over the thanksgiving break area we played um uh, that's pretty clever after the thanksgiving break nice. uh, that's pretty clever so um so yeah they love that and so we're just slowly breaking in some different games and expanding them but yeah so we played that a lot it's that's a lot of fun oh that nice. is a lot of fun we've talked yeah, about nice. it a lot so how so, just out of curious what's been your experience teaching that game um i i think it is a really good entry level game um it definitely expands upon like Obviously, Yahtzee kind of gives yes. you a Yahtzee feel, but yes. it's obviously way, way better and a lot more fun. But it's definitely not super complicated, but it's not. I don't I don't know. I was just curious how you've gone about teaching it because I, I found it somewhat challenging, actually. Well, really, to describe all the strategies and how to take that, it's it, I. I think it's hard to teach. Um, it's yeah, more it really of an is. experience. So I talk about it and say a couple of things and then we play a game and then we talk afterwards and they're like, oh yeah, I see this or I see that. So it's that's more of an on-the-job training type, uh, learning the game and f- to me, a feeling of it. Because you can talk to me, you can talk about, oh, getting the yellows, get the blues. This is how you get this kind of stuff. But until they experience and see, oh, yeah, I focus way too much on one or two colors versus balancing out throughout the whole colors, uh, that aspect. So I, I, I think it to me, it's more of getting the game feel down after a couple plays Interesting. and, and learning it mm. that way. That's how I, that's how I learn. I know Jamie talks about how that's how she learns to, I mean, I can read something, but I don't fully understand it. 
um, hmm. until I do it and hmm. then seeing, oh, yeah, I put it into play. So, yeah, so we, we went over the rules. We talked a little about it. We talked a couple strategies. Then we did it. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, yeah, I can see this. So, so did you, that. but you still went through and like how scoring works. Yes. You yeah. Obviously, yeah, like what that. you do we, on your turn. Yeah. Obviously, you're not talking like huge strategy, like no. how you should play, but like you still taught the, fundamental yes, so rules how to play yes, right exactly. okay, okay yeah yeah you had me a little that. worried yeah. there i was like oh no. Ooh, how would you sorry uh, yeah was, yeah more implied so we did talk about the rules and we did talk some basic strategies sure and then yeah. played it and then talked more afterwards about hey you know and they're like oh yeah i can see that now i can feel that yeah get an understanding of that of what yeah, we I'm talked still not about. even sure yeah. there's a real like one good way to no, stretch. No, there's not. Whenever I teach, I'm like, I, I'm not even sure how to give advice because, you know, over Thanksgiving, I played actually with my uh, two brother-in-laws and my dad and it was their first time playing. So I, yep. I taught it to them and then um, we had played just the week before with some uh, other neighbors and we taught it to them and then we played at work today as well and they hadn't played the first one that's so clever and I taught it to them so I've taught this game three times over the last week and a half so that's why I was just yep. curious but um, I played with my brother-in-laws and my dad on Thanksgiving and I scored a 125 like I played like my worst game ever and my brother-in-law and I'm gonna say this because I know he's not listening but I think actually his mom does or stepmom or somebody somebody listens to on his family so hi to whoever that listener is in minnesota um but he kept asking like through the whole game how do i use these re-rolls i'm like i'm like i'm like david you use it to re-roll on your turn He's like, oh, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. And then it's like my dad's turn. He's like, wait, when do I get to use these reroll? I'm like, okay, David, it's it, it's on your turn. And then the plus one. He's like, can I use that plus one now? I'm like, no. At the end, after rolling, um, and the whole time. But he got like a 195 on his first play. Oh, jeez. I know. On his last turn, uh, if anybody hasn't played this, you know, it's like Yahtzee, you roll and you mark off boxes. And there's those combos. We talked about this on the, yeah. on the podcast yeah. before. But on his last turn, he like marked off one, which marked off another, which marked off another. Yeah. He literally yeah. got an X in every single section because of one mark off. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, and, and he got a 195. I got 125, and I played the game dozens of times. So I I don't know. I I, I do try to vary up my strategy. That one was not successful. However, yeah. today I'm glad you brought up Gonshaw yeah, Clever. So now I'm gonna use this platform. Uh, so we played Gonshaw and Clever today at work, and I got a 225. Nice job. Which is literally my best score. It was ridiculous. I I got really lucky. It came down to my last turn. I'm the last player. Right on the last turn, I have two blue spots open, which was the nine and ten, and I rolled like a, I think I rolled like a five on or four on the white and the five on the blue, and oh. then all the other stuff was six except for one of them, which is the orange, and I didn't really care about it, so I put it up, and so I got the nine, and I rolled, and I was able to get the ten too. It was it, I got really super lucky, but uh, I mean, uh, see. You're starting but, to get uh, good rolling, dice rolling going on. Yeah, and I, I I found in that game instead of like leaving up to using the orange for your fallback, you know, when you're playing on other players' turns, you, you get to select from the dice that they didn't select or that they were forced to discard. Sometimes you just have to use the orange, which is not great because it's usually like a one or two, right? 
Um, I started uh, not marking off yellow and using the yellow that gets discarded because there's more value, I think, for the yellows than the oranges. This is great podcasting. If anybody has never played Gonshin Clever, you should definitely play it. Uh, I'll move on from talking strategy, but maybe we should have a segment just about strategy. Yeah, well, that would be good. But anyway, great game. So I was just curious how you how you played it. Interesting enough, we also played Betrayal House on the Hill this week at work actually we had a holiday party for work and we had like three hours to play or do whatever so i brought betrayal house of the hill because one of the guys on my old team uh really likes the game and some other guys hadn't played it but they're into board games so he played betrayal house at the hill and that is one game where i just don't even teach all the rules uh i i you i'm big rule stickler as you probably know Uh, and i hate house rules right um and i'm usually the person teaching games but this game um, is the only game I have ever taught and will continue to teach at this point where I don't actually talk about all the rules. I really just give, hey, here's how the round goes. This is uh, what we're trying to do. Hey, some stuff's going to happen. This is going to happen. But really, on your turn, you get to move and do some actions and and let's go. I can teach that game in like four minutes. We just get going. Because that game, there's so many mechanics and so many little fiddly things that you may not even touch ever in the game. And so it's like when something comes out, I stop and like, okay, this is how it works. And it actually works really well to introducing the new players. It's interesting. Um, I don't know any other games where you can really do that off the top of my head, but um, it's an interesting concept on teaching games and introducing it to new people. Or even playing a new game, like how you like to play. I don't know. I I think I know you. you You'd rather give like a quick summary of the game. You'd rather learn the first playthrough and then play a second time for real. Opposed to me, I like to know all the rules up front, and I want to know everything before I play. I'm not as bad as Corey, though, who wants to know... What what's the average score on this yeah. game at the end? I'm like, come on, come on, Corey. I mean, I understand what he's doing. He's trying to get the value of a point, right? Do we score 200 points in this game? Well, one point's not really worth a lot. Do we only score 50? Well, one point does mean a lot in this game. But I just like to give him a hard time because he asks that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That's the difference of us three, most yeah, definitely. It's kind of interesting. We all play yeah, a little differently. Yeah. All right, well, that was a really long intro. If you will, let's roll right into what's on our table. All right, Chris, well, we kind of talked about what was on our table, Ray. Let's go ahead and streamline it into actually what was on our table. I mean, officially what's on our table, i.e. what I'm going to put in our show notes and tracking for the future website that I am working on. More yes. information and outro. That's a little preview to have you stay listening. So, Chris, what have you been playing this week? Yeah. So other I than gotta, uh, what we've been talking about, sorry. Yeah, other than uh, uh, Gone Song Clover. Um, yeah, actually, uh, Isaac has become a big, huge fan of War Machine and Hordes, the miniatures game by Privateer Press. And, well, one of the reasons is because Corey painted some figures for him, and he got done with those. And I Oh, and they're uh, so good. Up. Oh, my gosh, they're very good. So, Shout out to Corey. Yes, Great God. job. Yes. so Way better uh, than I am, apparently. Uh, uh, and me, <laughs> uh, most definitely. Um, so Isaac plays Circle of Arboros, which are kind of, as I refer to, tree huggers. They're a bunch of nature guys. Are they like druidic? druidic? They are druidic. And there's a druidic faction and there's also like werewolves. Uh, uh, well, um, 
what do you want to call it? Just they're wolf type figures. They're animals. Like li- lichen or lichen yes. or lichen? Lichen. Yes. There we go. Yes. Lichen. Yes. And there, there's the, there's these, they call them warp wolves and there's uh, satyrs and uh, these kinds of stuff. But there's also constructs. So like earth golems and uh, oh, things sure. of yeah. that effect that are uh, basically the uh, living animated stone and so on. So anyway, so he plays that and they have a bunch of movement shenanigans. Oh, they, of course. They have these teleporting stones. They're called shifting stones. So you can teleport your war beasts and your fighters and this kind of stuff. And it's it's they're very stealthy. So they're very hard to hit from a distance with shooting them and things like that. So they're very quick movement, not a, not really big armor, and they're not as punchy and strong as others, but um, they've got all these movement shenanigans and stealth. So I play my mercenaries, Rulic mercenaries, which are in this re- uh, realm is dwarves. So these oh, are, uh, yeah, of course, they, uh, these are uh, the figures that Corey painted to as well. So I we were just starting off and, and Isaac's learning the rules. So we're just stepping through things. So we start at a very, very low point army. Uh, basically what you do, you get a war caster or a warlock. That's your leader and they have special spells and abilities. Well, they get points to have these these special figures for them that they can make their own battle group. And so anyway, so what you do is you start off with like they call a zero point army, which means you get your war caster or warlock. And then all their special figures that they can have with them. Um, so we're starting off. And then as you build, you start adding points to expand to get your units and other things. So And the games get longer. Yeah, the game gets and, longer yeah. and lots more figures and this kind of stuff. So we're actually started off with uh, just your battle group and maybe 15 points. So it's, it's just a, f- a small few figures and stuff. So. So we're, we're just messing around, learning the rules, learning how to play, learning the uh, the strategies and how you run your warcaster or warlock and so i beat them uh, my my dwarf guys are kind of they shoot they have aoe's area of effects and guns and and cannons and this kind of stuff they're they're slow they're dwarves they're but slow. i mean you're bringing guns, guns to a sword fight exactly so, I mean, that's what i told i said that's what I told us. Anyway, so we'll see. <laughs> we're we're going to expand. As we learn, we're going to add more points to make the armies bigger. Oh, that's and stuff. cool. But it's fun. He's really enjoying it. He loves it. So he's he's into that right now. So I'm, that's cool. Brings imagination. He's thinking, uh, starting he, strategies. He, and, and he might have some fun at Gen Con then. You know, yes, maybe play yes. some things. I know. He'll probably play some of that. Get uh, sick of playing dwarves by the, by the oh, time Gen Con comes around. Well, if he goes to Gen Con, he'll actually uh, play somebody who's uh, good. And I am not good. I just, yeah, it's it's all fun though. I like my dwarves. That's cool. They're awesome. Cool. Yep. Well, that's so that's fun. what we've that's done. The, that's great to get into that. All right. Well, uh, for me, we played Wingspan European Expansion. That finally came in the mail after uh, a week delay, as we talked about last week. But yeah, we finally got to the table. Um, Emily loved it, of course, because she she Good. loves Wingspans, her favorite game. And you know what? The more I'm playing a lot of more of these games in the last six months, like because we've been playing a lot of games, I, Wingspan's like falling a little. Start it's starting to fall lower on my list because I don't know. There's just something about it that it has some weaknesses. I I've loved Stonemaier. I, again, I'm a huge Stonemaier fanboy, but ah, Wingspan. This is 
there's some problems with it. I, I mean, it's kind of an engine builder, but the problem is it's so variable on the birds you get. Oh, yeah. And I like, I got some cool birds that were, I was just getting like crazy draws and getting a mitt full of cards, but I couldn't get any of the birds then to do stuff with those cards because when you have a lot of excess cards, you're going to want to use the ability with the birds where you can tuck those cards from your hand under the the other birds uh which gives you victory points at the end of the game so it, it's really good and then usually when you tuck something under a bird you get like you get like a, a resource or an egg or something like that i just couldn't get any of them until the very end of the game and i got it going but it was like i had three turns left by the time that happened if i had just got it like four turns earlier i would have annihilated emily but alas she beat me so I don't know, uh, especially with the European expansion. I I, I texted you and Corey that picture. It, that's a huge stack of cards. That was a huge, huge stack, and it's like there's no way, especially a two player game, you're gonna get through those cards. So I don't know. Maybe it plays better with four uh, four players. You get through more cards. I don't know. I need to play this more at higher player counts. But right. I think it's one of those games that may be not as good at two players, unfortunately, from the other games. I keep forgetting. Emily Emily, and I are playing a lot of games, two player. And some of these games are really good, actually, at two player and at higher counts. And I just keep forgetting that most games aren't technically great at two players. So, I don't know. We'll see. I need to play the game some more, especially with the expansion. Uh, it's one of those things you just keep the expansion in there. It doesn't modify the game uh, a whole lot. The new bird powers are better. I really like the new powers of the birds. I just didn't get a whole lot of them because there's a huge stack of cards. So, Well, yeah, that would make sense. But, yeah, that's that's that was what was on one of the games on our table this week. All right, this week, the games we play reviews Colt Express. Chris, could you give us a little overview of Colt Express and uh, what's it about? Yeah, it's a 2014 game by designer Christophe Rambolt. I got a feeling that's French just by the uh, the spelling. Yeah, it's a two to six player game, 30 to 40 minutes in time, um, age 10 and up. It's it's a lighter weight game. There's not, not, not too heaviness of it, but basically... On the 11th of July in 1899 at 10 a.m., the Union Pacific Express has left Folsom, New Mexico with 47 passengers on board. After a few minutes, gunfire and hurrying footsteps on the roof can be heard. Heavily armed bandits have come to rob honest citizens of their wallets and jewels. Will they succeed in stealing the suitcase hiding the nice Valley Coal Company's weekly pay, despite it having been placed under the supervision of Marshal Samuel Ford? Will these bandits hinder one another more than the marshals since only the richest one of them can come up on top? In Colt Express, you play a bandit robbing a train at the same time as other bandits, and your goal is to become the richest outlaw of the Old West. Yeah, that's some very specific information at 10 oh a.m., like I've 47 never, passengers. That's funny. It is pretty funny. <laughs> I've never seen that being that detailed, no, but, but it's hey, cool. It's kudos being, to you. Yeah, it's trying to be uh, historic. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, really, the the way to this game is going to be interesting to describe because the the 
the production value and how this looks on the table is really what sells this game. Oh, so absolutely. what you're going to be playing with, there's no game board, right? There's a literal 3D train that's on the, the table, right? It's cardboard, yeah. right? But it's you, cardboard. And let me tell you, it's a pain in the butt to put together because yeah. it has those like little like small slots where you have to punch yes. that like cardboard hole. And, and and the punch out's fine. Like it's not bad quality where it's really hard to get out. It's just, you know, if you have big fingers, you have to get your fingernail. Anyway, neither here or there. But man, once you get it assembled, you don't have to assemble it again. The board game box, which we'll talk about, stores it away nicely. But essentially in the game, you have your engine and your caboose, and then you, you, uh, you count up the cars equal to the number of players. So, you know, if you're playing with six people, you'd have six cars out there with the engine and they're they're 3d so they're open on the sides and they look like passenger cars right even the artwork on the inside it kind of looks like like train you have like i don't know it's hard to explain it looks really cool though and then there's a top right so there's a flat top so you can put your your people in there and so you start the game with your guys, your little meeple dudes on the back of the train, either on the, because you just, you know, jumped on board, right? And uh, throughout the train, there's gems and there's bags of gold. And then you got the sheriff up in the caboose with the lockbox, or excuse me, up in the engine with the lockbox. And so all these items, they have dollar values that are hidden face down on the bottom side. And essentially on your turn, you're going to draw six of your 10 action cards and we're going to program out basically your movement for the round. There's a, a, a deck of train cars that tells you how many cards you're going to play this turn. And not only does it tell you how many cards you're going to play, but some of them might tell you to place face down. Some of them might say, hey, we're going to play this this round in reverse. Some of them are going to be like, well, you're going to play two cards together. And uh, there's just tons of variations. And then there's an end of round after you resolve all the cards, a, a maybe a possible situation that could happen, which we'll talk about here in a second. So what essentially happens is the first player plays a card down face up or face down, depending on if the game tells you to do so. And everybody can see it. And so these, these cards could be anywhere from move. So you can move from uh, a train car to train car. Or if you're above the train cars on top, you can move multiple train cars. There's shoot cards where you can shoot somebody that's adjacent. Or if you're on the top, shoot somebody that's far away. There's a punch card. So you can punch somebody if they're in the same car with you. You can pick up gold or you can move the marshals there's a marshal card where you can move the marshal and that's basically all the cards and then there's i think two copies of each so everybody goes around playing the card one at a time and so you're basically pre-programming so if you're not familiar with that basically you're you're kind of playing what you're going to play and you're going to play multiple rounds and everybody's going to go in order and at the end you're, the person whose turn is going to take the deck of cards now that has everybody's cards in it, and they're going to flip it over, and the top card, the first card, is going to be the first card to play. So you actually play it out in the same order they're played. And so when you flip it over, that player's card, whoever they played, have to has to, has to resolve the card they played. So if they play to shoot, they have to shoot. Now, if maybe people moved around that they didn't anticipate then too bad. I guess you don't get the action. So anyway, this plays out through multiple rounds. There's, I believe, five rounds. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most money wins the game because, you know, through this whole gameplay, you're trying to go through train, train, car. You're trying to pick up the money. You're trying to punch and shoot the other players, get more bonuses. And you're also trying to move that marshal around to 
basically mess over the other bandits. That's basically the game. Anything I miss on that, Chris? Other no. than getting details of how movement yeah. and stuff works. Yeah, well, there's that's, no that's too. good overall. I mean, that's basically what it is. You pre-program your cards of what you want to do. Um, there's different cards that say how many cards you can pre-program at a time and things yep. like that. And yeah, no, that's it. That's basically. And then obviously each player has has uh, has variable player cards yes. or variable powers. player powers that will I mean, usually they affect the actions as you go out. So you might be able to um, shoot somebody through the roof or the floor, or you might be able to play cards face down, that kind of stuff. So yep. there's variable player powers, which just actually adds uh, a little more variability to the game. So that's basically how to play with this game. So let's go ahead and talk about the artwork to start out. So Chris, the artwork, what do you think about the art on this game? Um, really, like you said, there's no board. Um, no, uh, not at all. It's you. You have a player mat, and then you have cards. It's uh, it's very cartoonish, um, old western, mm-hmm. um, and oh. I'm trying to think of different cartoons that have been like that. I mean, honestly, I think of Dice Throne. You look at the art. Oh, yeah, same, yeah. Same, definitely like that. same type of art in Dice Throne, but with a cowboy feel uh, versus yeah, fantasy yeah. feel. That's what I kind of saw with it's that. It's kind of like exaggerated the yes, characters, but yep. it, it's not like goofy and cartoony nope. as in like it's funny, but it's it's not like super serious either. It, yeah. Right. Right. And then um, you have your player tableau and your deck of cards. And then, then you have your cardboard train and your meeples. So uh, it's I, I, I like it. Um, I think it gives it a lighthearted look, mm-hmm. uh, a fun, a fun feel. It's Definitely a fun, a fun feel. feel. Definitely Absolutely. a fun feel. Yeah. Yeah. And even the covers a fun feel like. I don't know. It just shows the people all doing different stuff, fighting on the train and on the train and in the train. And it's kind of cool looking. And heck, even all the trains themselves have different art. Like each train car looks like, hey, this is a passenger car. This one looks kind of like a like a bar area. Like each train is not even the same, which is kind of cool. Right. No, yeah, there's different, different. Not that it really matters. You can't really even tell. I mean, you're not even paying attention. But it, it definitely adds some flavor to it. Um, th- there's artwork on all the cards, like you talked about. Um, and it's just really well done, actually. It, and it's not like a stylized, like really artsy art. But it's it is no. kind of like your cartoony art. But man, it's really it's done really well. It adds a lot of flair and a lot of personality to the game is what it does. I think I agree. Yeah. So I think the artwork's really good on this game. I, I really like it. Um, really engages it, adds uh, character to it. That's, yep. that's kind of how I would describe it. Uh, so the rule book on this now, did you get a chance to leaf through the rule book on this one? No, I didn't. I showed up late and I had to leave early for a meeting. So I got there as you guys were already, uh, had everything laid out and was just dealing out the the specific players and then i had to take off before uh, uh cleaning up so i i i dined and dashed and and just got to play so i didn't get a look at the rule book okay so looking at the rule book that's on bgg uh from i believe this is from the publisher this is a different rule book than the one that came into my <laughs> came with the game. Actually, uh, I don't know who uploaded this on uh, BGG, but they did it in 2014. This game came out in 2012. 
the one that's on BGG and, it, and the, look at the PDF. It looks like the official one um, that came from the company, right? Because this is originally a French game. Actually, looking at it, and the rule book that's on BGG is far superior than the one that came out of the box. The one that came out of the box is really hard to follow. Um, when you look at it, they're using a lot of uh, a different text. It's kind of that old westerny text, you know, they use the, for the flavor. And there's a lot of pictures in here, which I appreciate. There's a lot of symbology in here to match up with the cards, which I appreciate. But in the one that came in the game, it's such it's set up such a way that it's really hard to follow it. Like your eye keeps moving, like it looks like, hey, this page is split up in the top and bottom, and it's really hard to figure out and find what you're looking for. Like when you're looking at variable powers or the train card events. Um, you know, because I talked about on the train card, there's events that happen after them, and and there's only symbology on all the cards, so you have to look up in the rule book. And the one that came that that came with my copy in the box is really not good. It's really busy is how I would describe it. It's so oh. busy. It's so hard to concentrate and find what you're looking for. And even what you're looking for is telling you basic rules. And then you have to flip a couple pages to go to the advanced setup to find out how it modifies it. And it's like, well, in step 7A of setup, instead of doing this, do this. And I hate that. The one that's on BGG is complete. It doesn't do that. It's perfect. So, heck, I might just print this sucker off and throw it in the box. There you go. So, I don't know if it's just a version of Cold Express. Maybe I got an older version and this new rule book's not in there. So, if it's the old rule book like I'm talking about that I have, it's like a two thumbs down. It's 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 a bad rule book. It's it's not great. It explains things well when you find it, but it's just it's so busy and distracting. It doesn't really flow on the page. It jumps all over, you know, from left to right to up and down. It's not in like a left to right, top to bottom kind of flow. And that drives me nuts. Yeah. It, like how can you find stuff that you want? And it's so busy. Um, but the the one that's on BGG, and I think this is the revised rule book, is much better. It's straightforward. It doesn't have all this numbering for setup. It's just it just says straight top to bottom. This is how you set it up. And then on the right side is the picture next to each paragraph that tells you what it's talking about, which is fantastic. So if you get the revised rule book, I'd say two thumbs up. If you get the one that I have, it's like two thumbs down like way down like really bad down not great at all which is too bad because it's a fun game yeah it is. all right and there's no reference on the back chris which drives me <laughs> yeah but there's not really much reference you know honestly what they could have referenced on the back is just those symbols put those symbols on the back that's all i'm asking because you know how many times i had to flip to the variable powers and the train events to know yeah. okay what's this little uh symbol make i don't i don't understand that flips to that's enough for rule book really bad if it's out of the box really good if it's revised components so i think this is again another game yet again that really shines for the components and it's it's uh very unique i think uh so what you think about the components on this one i like it again i it makes this game shine of what it is. I love uh, the the Meeple Cowboys. I mean, they're of different colors. They're the same cutout with looks like a Meeple with a cowboy mm-hmm. hat and two two, two pistols. Guns. Yep, two guns, one in each hand. Um, I would have liked to have seen a, a Meeple that was cut in the the shape of the character 
each character kind of was that. I thought that was cool. But, I mean, it's cool. You got these meeples, and they're on this uh, the cardboard um, train, which is really, I think, they did a really good job of oh, yeah. making those components. So mm-hmm. I, I like that. Um, to me, that visualization of – because there's two levels. You got a lower level, and you got an upper level, the roof of the, the train, and you get to move your meeple from there to there, up and down, and into the – the the engine of the the train or the all the way back to the caboose as mm-hmm. the game effect goes along and I I like that I to me that that brings that little uniqueness of this game um, I don't really know of too many other games that Mm-mm. have something like this so oh, it really makes this stand out and I think they did a good job really they did a good job now have you seen this game before we played it. Or is this like brand new for you? Oh, brand new because you've talked about it and I've seen it on your shelf, but not pulled out. So when yeah. you walked in and yep. saw the train on the table, yeah. you're That's like. That's the first time I actually seen it. Yep. In person. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty cool looking. Yeah, it it's, is. It's really neat. Yeah, I, I'll echo what you said. The components are great. Like those meeples are nice. Um, it's nice that they're different colors. Yeah, a different shape would be kind of nice, but I mean, that's nice to have. I mean, this game's not super expensive. It's been out for since 2012. Um, yeah, it's a $30 or excuse game me, 2014, on sorry. 2014, it's come, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a $20, $30 game, but you're paying for it in the components. Uh, I would say just all those cardboard cutouts, because it's a 3D train. It's a literal 3D train that if you put all the all the cars on it, if you play the maximum six players, it, I mean, this thing's like two feet long, this train is, which is super cool. Yeah. And, and, and to talk about more of the components, in the game, it comes with these optional standees that you don't even need, but they're like cactuses and brush and all these things that you put together and they're 3D like cactus and, and whatnot that you just put out on the train around the train just for flavor. Like it yeah. doesn't even, it's not even needed, but they include it in there, which is, it looks pretty cool when you get all the all those little 3D standees out, which is pretty neat. Uh, components, obviously, everything else is cardboard. You know, all the tokens for the briefcase and the money bags and the diamonds are there, but they all look really nice. They're very distinct. You can see them um, because you're putting them inside the train, which, depending on your angle, you might not see it very well, but they're big enough that you could tell what they are, which is nice. And the cards, they're your common cards. They're they're nice. They're they're not cheaply made, so I, you know, overall, I think for the money it's worth. I think the components are 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 really good for the money you're pay, gonna pay for this game. So I'd give it probably two thumbs up. I agree with you. Go ahead and move on and talk about our likes, uh, so we can get into the meat of this review. So, what are your likes uh, about this game after playing it, Chris? So I like the uh, gate concept, the core game mechanic of the programming. Um, I think that's fun. I like various games like this. And when we get into a more discussion of like that, like this, I'll talk more about those. But I I like that interesting of, okay, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to try something. And then you keep going around and keep playing your cards in in a certain order. You got to remember, okay, what's he doing? What's he doing? Oh, what is my initial concept I want to do? And it can lead into some wacky stuff. It really can. Yeah, and and so I like that in this, this type of a game setting and what you're doing uh, that that programming of game mechanic makes a lot of sense and to me it's a lot of fun in that aspect yeah i i I agree Uh, in other programming games sometimes the programming of the other players isn't a hundred percent 
public, right? And, and so this game is public for. I mean, for the most part, there's some you play face down, but it's not the majority of the time. Everybody's plays face up, so you have a general idea of what people are going to do. But here's the thing: when you're moving on top of those train cards, you can move anywhere from one to three spots. And you don't know where people are necessarily going to be. So if you see somebody move and they're on top of the train and then they they play the car to go down into the train, they could be in any of one, three trains. So you don't necessarily know where they're going to be, but you can anticipate and you can kind of hedge your bets a little bit. And I do like the programming is not as rigid as some other programming games. Now, I know like if you play four change, you have to four change. If you move, you have to move. But some of the movement can be variable. Like when you're on top of the train, you don't necessarily have to move one space. You can move up to three if you want to. When you're firing, when you're on top of the train, you can shoot anybody any distance from cars. So there's there's a little flexibility. And then with some of the variable powers, it adds flexibility. Like Chris, your player, you could shoot through the roof or through the floor or across. So like if you're in a car and somebody didn't end up adjacent because you didn't plan on it, but somebody's above your car, guess who you're yep. shooting? I'm shooting you above. Shoot somebody above. Yeah. And so there's there's definitely variability there's there's gonna be times where you don't get to use your action because hey stuff happened you didn't anticipate jeff punching travis out of your car that just sometimes happens and so you may not be able to punch then travis if you wanted to or whomever's in the car right um but i do like the programming on this there's not as much randomness i've seen other programming games where there's other things in the game that's moving or shifting that's outside of players control so i like that the only variability of what's moving and it's happening is the other players and most of that information is uh is public so if you screw if you play the wrong thing Sometimes it's kind of on you, and it's hard to be mad about, oops, well, I just wasted two actions. Well, maybe you should have maybe hedged your bet a little bit. Other likes. Chris, did you have any other likes? I mean, other than the components. I, I would put yeah. the components as a like again Most on definitely. this game. Most definitely the components. You know, and I like the theme of this game, really, uh, with the game mechanic and the theme aspect of the train and bank robbers and doing all this. It yeah. really fits well together. So I agree. Um, I We have just a couple cowboy games. Western Legends is one of the bigger ones we've talked about really, really early on. But with this type of a game, bringing up the cowboy theme and the mm-hmm. uh, train robbery perfect fit with the game mechanics and how it really plays so yeah kudos to them coming up with either the game mechanic first and building the theme around it or building a theme to saying hey that kind of it however game game however uh, they game yeah, however they, it, yeah. exactly however there's different ways to to go about producing a game uh, designers do it differently but these worked it, it it's a really it's good yeah i'm trying to think of any other theme that you could tap to this but i think I this know. fits the best it really it really does. does yeah so yeah that's what yeah. i like that really i Very really thematic. like the theme exactly it's a great family game too yeah, it is i mean it's ranked 75 right now on bgg for family and 340th overall i mean it is a solid it's solid, a solid yeah. game yeah i mean cool. there's a reason it won the spiel de jar in 2015 yep there's a reason it's a good game and the, the nomination list is just long. oh my gosh there's so many of different languages of nominations and and winners of of game awards and stuff uh yeah it's 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 a good game it's i've ordered it and it's one nice. of those uh, yeah it's one of those there's Amazon so many expansions Christmas. too yeah. which we'll talk about yeah. here in a sec yeah so dislikes so let's go ahead and move dislikes uh any dislikes for you on this game <sighs> um i'm trying to think with uh 
the cards. Yeah, I don't know. That's I was trying to think of this really hard the other day. I enjoyed it um, with with a, a dislike or something. I really didn't. And I, I honestly, I didn't come up with something that really was jumped out. I didn't look at the rule book. Um, I didn't get to see it that way. Uh, but just playing the game and setup, it it seemed pretty. Uh, pretty simple and pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, maybe, like I said, maybe the only thing is some of the the uh, the graphic uh, design of it, of not knowing what some of the symbols were, if they had a reference chart or some of the various player yeah, powers. That would be the only thing that would, yeah, I absolutely. think that would enhance it because it used some symbols that wasn't very intuitive of what everything meant. So, well, I mean, uh, they basically use symbols so yep. they didn't have to put any language. Right. So you didn't have to yep. multi-print in language, yep. which honestly is really smart, oh, I does. think. But at the same time, you, there is a cost because there's a lot of symbols in this game that, yeah, there's no easy chart. So yep. if you're any publishers or anybody listening, if you're going to make a game like this with no words on any of the components or the and you're going to do symbols, that's fine. Yep. But... Have a nice, easy reference chart right. that is in the language yep. on the back of the book. So, Or have little player aid cards. I mean, that's right. really cheap. The fact that you included like cards, like postcard type cards that are extra fluff of the yeah. game, but yeah. didn't put player yeah. aids instead. I mean, come on. That's the only thing I would say is, uh, you know, call it a dislike if you want. Um, that 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 was aspect. It's it made it challenging to, especially for a new player. For just new trying to learning, figure it out. Exactly. absolutely. You'd have to play it several times to learn it. But if you have a yeah. quick little, like you said, handy reference chart or a little player aid card, boom, you got it instantly. You got it. And you know, I could say maybe a dislike is when you're drawing cards, you might not get stuff, but they have a good mechanics in the game where you can draw three cards instead of playing a card. So even oh, if yeah. you don't get what you want, you're basically drawing your whole deck. And hey, if you're getting shot, you're getting those those bullet cards from other players in your deck, and they're worthless, right? They're just worth space, but at the same time, that's kind of thematic. You're getting shot. There should be a penalty for getting shot, right? Right. And so... Like, yeah, Travis was getting terrible draws. Zach was getting terrible draws. But at the same time, they got shot a million times. Maybe don't get shot next time. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not playing on the dislike at all. I'm just saying, like, I could see some people getting frustrated maybe. But at the same time, this is a lighthearted game. Um, It's a funny, fast, where you're going to have some funny moments where you're punching each other. It's a little take that, kind of. I mean, it's not take that really bad, but you could... There is cases like what happened in our game, and this is every time, where there's one player that just got screwed over with a series of events. The reason being is when you play an extra card, you have to resolve it. And sometimes, hey, Travis just happened to be in the room that you thought Jeff was going to be in, but you played a punch card. Well, sorry, Travis, I'm punching you, but you're going to have to drop your only money back, right? You'd rather punch Jeff, who won, right? And so... Some players can get kind of picked on, but sometimes that just happens in this game. But this is a shorter game. It's lighthearted. Just know, I don't want to put in my dislike, but just know if you're going to play this, if people get kind of butthurt, if you will, or take things personally, they might take this one a little personally. But at the same time, you're pre-programming. You don't know what's going to happen 20 moves away you know, through four four right. moves through six players, you don't know what's going to happen twenty moves away. So it is what it is. So anyhow, yeah. Um, yeah, not a whole lot of dislikes for me either. So overall review, uh, what would you give a review or put a number on this, Chris? 
So I, I would say to me, I think this would be an eight. It's a very good game. Enjoy playing and would suggest it. Uh, it's it's a newer game uh, for me. So maybe that's after a year that, that sure. may go away. But instantly right now that this is something that it can easily teach, can pull out, holds uh, two to six players. So that's a good amount to, to be able to get on the table. Yeah. And half an hour, forty-five minute game. It's really not that long of a game. So, no. uh, but it's it's to me, it's a very enjoyable. You get it's a game where you get laughs and you get some awe moments and yeah, yeah and those those type of moments in a game. And I love that. And you know, for a 30, 45 minute game that that plays two to six, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. I, I I would say it's an eight for me. I like it. I love the theme aspect and love the game mechanics of it. Something I could pull out, teach in you know 10, 15 minutes minutes maybe 10 minutes teach oh, the yeah. game really quick set it up in five minutes and well take a little longer for the first time you punch the train out but uh yeah but yeah. After oh that, yeah after, it takes uh, like 20 30 minutes yeah. to uh, punch it out and set it up yeah to me those are great gateway games easy games teaching right around the holiday times pull them out with family and friends and new oh, people yeah. and stuff yeah yeah i like it so to I me agree. for me it's an eight yeah i'm gonna probably give it a seven and a half i think it's mm-hmm. good usually willing to play between very good um there's just a few things that kind of notch it down one is setup time. It's yeah. a pain to set this game up, unfortunately. Yeah, the box has all the little slots at the train, so you don't have to take them apart or put them together, which is really nice. But man, they don't come with baggies. There's not extra slots to put the deck because there's just a huge stack of deck. But the problem is there's like six or seven characters. Well, yeah, there's six characters, six characters. And they all have their set of cards. And then there's the sheriff cards. And then there's the train cards. But the train cards have the two to four players and the five to six players. And then there's the train stop cards. And they're in different... Um, yeah, you know, and they diff- look different. And so just trying to sort all these cards out and then mixing them up. And then again, referencing the rule book for the setup. If you get the one out of my box, it's terrible. It's really hard to even find, well, how many train cards do I use? Even if you played this game a million times, you might not remember. It's five plus the one with the train stop. Um, so that's why I kind of just docks it down a little bit is the setup is and the storage solution is not great. It's just annoying to set up every time. And not that it should reflect on this review, but there are some really cool expansions for this game. There's like stagecoaches where there's like a 3D stagecoach and there's like these meeple horses that you can put your meeples on and you can ride around. There's a Marshall expansion which adds like a jail car on the back and wanted posters which you can like you can uh, get people to go in jail or you can free them and if you free them you get extra variable special powers which is really really cool and then adds a lot to the game for not a whole lot of extra rules and in that marshal one it allows a player to take control of the marshal so it's the marshals versus everybody else which is really cool. cool the expansions in this game are great but the expansions replace cards out of the base game and it's just a storage maintenance nightmare. Cause when we went to set it up, I had the I had the expansion mixed in because there's no good way to separate it out. There's no good way to store it all in one box because there's not enough storage in the main box. And I don't mean to have that negate this, but those expansions are really good. But man, just the storage solution. So anyway. I put that as a 7.5 because of that. 
And then, again, if you really like this game or you have it now, check out those expansions. There's three main expansions that add some cool content and change the gameplay. And then there's all these mini expansions for each of the characters that actually allows you to play a different game mode for that character. And it's like one versus all for that character, and they get buffed up and stuff. Kind of interesting, and they're they're fairly cheap. So, Anyway, that's my overall 7.5. Chris gave it an 8. So, Chris, any games that, if you like, that kind of game you'll like this kind of game so thinking of this programming uh mechanics and if uh getting into that aspect if you like wings of war you like x-wing where that's that that may be miniatures and ship battle type but if you like that pre-programming uh, aspect of the game mechanic like uh robo rally and uh games, oh yeah robo rally yeah games like that where you plan ahead uh, uh, with other people at the same time, then resolve mm-hmm. it and see how it works. If you like that type of game mechanic, you would definitely like this. Oh yeah, so. and and this one's probably more available. Yes, to make more of a gateway than other games than the ones I've yes the, the three I mentioned most definitely absolutely yeah I'm thinking like Dragon and Flagon that 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 in brawling game oh, yeah. um, by by uh, Stronghold Games where you pre-program your movement that that's actually kind of a rock escape that actually reminds me a lot of this game obviously more complicated mechanics and theme. Uh, is a little different, but that's what that kind of reminds me of. But yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Um, this is probably the most entry-level programming game I've played, action yep. programming game. And there's not a whole lot of action programming games I've actually played that are super popular. Right. I'm trying to think. There's a space one that we used to play back in the day that Corey had where there's like asteroids and you have a spaceship. Galaxy you know Trucker? No, I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, yeah, I would say if like if you like that Western theme or you like uh, pre-programming like Robo Rally or something like that, but you want something that's a little more available to all players and it's just kind of a fun theme. It looks great on the table. Great present table. This is a, this is a game to try. It's 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 a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's a great family game. I really like this. This is like a modern family game. I would say yes. Uh, that belongs on a lot of shelves if you have kids. And honestly, ten plus. I think it it's like more of an eight plus game to be completely honest. Oh, I agree. Honest. It could be easy. Uh, younger kids. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. So that would be the review of Colt Express. All right, Chris, let's go ahead and transition and talk about our love and hates this week. Um, just the buck trends. Just find me for the heck of it. I'm going to go ahead and go first on our love this week. So right my ahead. love in this week is, if you don't mind, I'm sorry. No, no, absolutely not. Go right ahead. Uh, my love this week is, uh, is I mean, Betrayal House on the Hill, but I kind of talked about it in the intro where we had a holiday party and I introduced it to some people. I just, I like introducing games I enjoy with other people or do people, either people who like to play games or people who are interested in games. We had all types of people at the table there. We, we, we had some guys that played board games um, a lot, but hadn't played Betrayal House on the Hill. And there was, uh, I don't know, Brenna, I don't know if she had played, I think she had played games because she seemed really interested in playing games. And then like Eric, uh, he, I mean, he kind of will go along with it, but he not really a big board gamer, but he picked this up and, and I think everybody had fun with it. Um, the <laughs> the haunting we had was actually from the expansion, and uh, I, I guess it's, I don't want 
I, it's not really a spoiler because I'm not going to tell you what haunting it is. But this haunting was basically uh, everybody who wasn't the portrayer were turning into babies. And the person who's the portrayer was actually a, a nanny, like a ghost nanny. Oh, funny. That was, that was trying to get all the babies. Her objective was to get all the babies into the nursery while the babies were trying to escape and get to a certain point. It was interesting. It was very thematic because as we went at the beginning of our turns, we had to roll a dice and our knowledge and our might went down, which is kind of funny because yeah, as we're turning our babies, our might, our physical is going to go down and our knowledge is going to go down. And once you go to uh, Skull, you don't die. You turn into a baby and there's some... There were some interesting rules. It was just funny. Everybody's having a fun time with it. It's just kind of goofy. It did drag on, unfortunately, because some of the rules, I think, wasn't... They didn't really think it out. It was one of the scenarios that lasted almost like two hours, the play, opposed to the game should really last an hour, hour and a half. But it went on forever because the how the rules for the, the scenario were. But despite that... It was still fun to get people involved with a hobby game with a lot of theme and just some silliness with the game. It was a lot of fun. So anyway, that was my love this week is uh, uh, Betrayal House in the Hill and more specifically, or Betrayal at the House in the Hill and more specifically kind of introducing it to some new play, new people. That's always fun. My love this week uh, started kicking off right after Thanksgiving on 104.1 Easy FM started doing the 24 hours of Christmas music. Oh, I just turn that in the car and leave everything on. I love it. That time of the year. So you just started listening to Christmas music? Well, yeah. It's. I mean, it's, that's amateur stuff. I've been listening to Christmas music in the beginning yeah. of November. It's good, but uh, I'm just Easy I'm Easy way, Easy Easy FM 104.1 runs it 24 seven right after Thanksgiving. Right after Thanksgiving. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> So I just have that on, and when I'm not listening to the podcast, I've got Christmas music going. Yeah, so, I, I love putting Christmas. Yeah. We've been doing that too, as we've yeah. been playing games. I've been throwing Christmas music yeah. on or stuff. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. That's yeah. this time of the year. I love that this time of the year. So it's that's my love this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I love that. Uh, hate this week for me is uh, online banking. What a pain in the butt, dude. Like. <laughs> So you know, I was going back to Nemesis and painting. So I, I'm looking and I'm missing some paints that is needed that I, I didn't really have the equivalent. Or if I did, some of my, my paint dried out because it had been a couple of years since I used some of those pots of paint. You know, Citadel paint's notorious for that uh, if you don't get it sealed just right. But anyway, so I needed some new paint. And there's some technical paint that I didn't have that... Uh, like some, there's one that's called like the blood of the old gods or something like that. And it's a technical paint that when you paint it, like looks like uh coagulated blood. You oh, know what cool. I'm talking yep, about? Yep. You know, it kind of, which is perfect for it, like that aliens, yep. right? Yep. Uh, not necessarily perfect for Star Wars Imperial Salt, which is where I had Malibu paint from. So I ordered a bunch of paint and, uh, <laughs> Uh, one of the paints that I saw and I've been, I was starting to read up on that. I was getting some buzz is these, there's these color shifting paints, like metal color shifting. You know, when you think of like seeing oil on water, you know, it's kind yep. of that rainbow color. Well, they simulated that with paint, but with different colors. So it's a little more like in line with like this type of color, or this type of color. So it's not like the full rainbow, but it's that kind of sheen look, right? Yep. Well, there's these technical paints, but like the best in the industry is this type of paint that comes from Spain. 
and is only sold in from stores in Europe. So I ordered some from this website. I was, I mean, I got a pack of like five of them, and it was only like twenty bucks, which is actually not bad for paint, really. especially like technical paint like that, and overseas nonetheless. But of course, my bank like flagged it. Yes. And so they declined it, yep. and I had my miniature market and game nerds. Uh, also, fun fact: anybody who likes the uh, the paint and you want to get paint, like just like a paint pot or specific ones, miniature market has them, but like they're always sold out of those Citadel paints. Game nerds actually carries a lot of paint, and all the ones I had uh, were in stock in Game Nerds. All of them were out of stock in miniature market, and there was three paints that weren't even at Game Nerds, so I had to get them at miniature market, and they thankfully were in stock. Anyway, I had all my shopping cart and everything figured out, and because it blocked it with the payment for that shop in Spain, oh. it declined my miniature market. It just it declined yep. my Game Nerds, and so yep. then the next morning, I get an automated phone call. Hey, there's been suspicious activity on your account, so I had to approve it, then I so I had to wait till the next morning. I proved it and then came back and and sent my orders off and then they went through. So I even paid through PayPal. It's not like I was putting a card directly on some European site. I was going through PayPal. Like, why would they block it anyway? It's neither here. I've had PayPal. Uh, whatever. It's just annoying. My bank is just ugh. I've had that problem too in the past. It's anyway. Very annoying. It's just at, annoying. At least. I've had it where they block it, didn't realize it, and you go back, and now the stuff's out of stock. And you're because, yeah. No, yeah, that happened. Been so upset. I, yeah. So a few years ago, I was building my computer, and uh, one of the websites was having a special where, yeah. hey, it was like 10 or 15% off. They were having this bundle. I was like, sweet. I ordered it, but they blocked the payment. Yep. The the special ended. Yep. And so I couldn't cancel and redo it. So I had to call customer service of this one place, which was a reputable place, and have them manually try to rerun it because my only option on the website was to cancel or reorder it and then I wouldn't yep. get my special. And it was like sixty or seventy dollars in savings. You know, I was building like a you know, it was a computer. It's yep. not cheap. It's a gaming computer. It's just so annoying. The same bank. Every time I go to buy something from multiple places, they always block it. It's so annoying. I need to change. I almost want to just change banks because there of that. It's go. ridiculous. Ridiculous. Anyway. Yeah. It's neither. And they blocked Miniature Market. I've ordered for Miniature Market, you know how many times? Uh, like, yeah. come on. You come on this week, let alone exactly. I mean, I can understand the Spain thing. I really can, but oh, I did sure. do it from PayPal, which is PayPal. I mean, whatever, whatever. Anyway, that's my hate this week. Screw you, Community State Bank. There you go. That's funny. So my hate is I'm just not a big fan of storytelling games. Uh, you got Dixit. You've got. Uh, the gloom you got these games or i i'm just not a big fan of those type of games where the the, the whole object is to tell a story that's that those don't excite me and i just like blah uh, is it yeah. maybe because of the theme maybe i i want to say i'm a big theme guy and that is and but it's I, the the whole creative aspect versus the strategy and logic oh, sure, sure. versus yeah. that aspect is is that's not a strong point for me and it's not something that I truly enjoy. So I was just thinking of stuff and and looking at it and at, after these last couple of weeks of really looking at our games and seeing what what I buy and what I play, 
Yeah. I, I don't have those storytelling games, Arabian Nights, stuff like that. And that's, to me, that's, I've just realized that it's, I'm just not a big fan of those type of games. So now I'm pretty sure Arabian Nights is a little more structured, right? It's not to so my free knowledge, format, like it is it. right. As yes, it is. It is a storytelling, but it is more. Yeah, uh, like you said, it is more structured. Than, yeah, but um, like I agree with you, Dixit is such an overrated game. You know, I'm gonna put that the title episode 31. Episode 31, Dixit is overrated. I'm serious. That that game sucks. I'm sorry. I do not like the game. Yeah, the art's great, but the gameplay sucks. Yeah, you have to do the storytelling. It's it's not fun. Like, give me code names. That's way more fun. Yeah. Like, it's basically the same thing as code names, but code names is way better. Like, Dixit sucks. I'm just throwing it out there. Sorry if you're the designer. But the game sucks. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Now, I just played Call to Adventure. That's why I was asking about themes. So we played Call to Adventure. Um, have you seen that? It's like bro- by Brotherwise Games, the same people that made Boss Monster. Right. I've I've heard of it, and I've seen them at Gen Con. Uh, yeah, they, they're the one where, yeah. like, instead of dice, you have the runes, right. those flat, yep. which are amazing. They're so – more games – need to put runes in them instead of dice. Those runes feel so good. Just like throw. It feels like you're like casting lots, you know, like oh, you're yeah. just throwing them down. It feels so satisfying from a tactile feel. Anyway, it's neither here or there. But that's a little more of a storytelling game. Like in the rule book, it's like at the end of the game, go ahead and describe your character through all the the traits and challenges. And it's like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. It's kind of stupid. But it's a little lighter on the gameplay because it's more of a storytelling. But it's a it's like fantasy and it's really done well fantasy like the artwork's really good but there's more gameplay than like a dixit where you just make crap up um with with this uh call to adventure you know you're you're forming a character you have your motivation you have your origin you have your destiny and you're going through the act so your first act is your origin so you're building onto your origin so it might be like hey like mine was i was an outlander and i could grab like hey i was an orphan well it's really neat like the orphan adds some tragedy to my story and that tragedy is victory points a part of the victory points and it affects how it affects certain traits throughout the game those traits give you more of those runes which you can use to face challenges later so it's extremely thematic and it is kind of a storytelling but it's way more structured so i'd be curious to see what you would think of called adventure on this one uh chris uh just because it is it is a little more focused on the storytelling so it's a little lighter on the gameplay um but it's still really interesting because i really like that epic high fantasy theme you know i like those books right yeah i mean heck one of the expansions was patrick roth this is uh name of the wind where they added characters and stuff from the book series into the game which is kind of unique i'd say it'd be interesting to, i'd see it take a look at that yeah i, I think i'm actually gonna bring it to work this week because Corey really wants to play it um this is like right up Corey's alley obviously yeah that is um so i was gonna bring it to work this week and you you're welcome to play it's it's only like a 30 to 45 minutes game it goes pretty quick um but they're actually making a stormlight archive which you know i'm a huge brandon sanderson fan yeah so anyway we'll have to play it we maybe talk about it next week because i i understand about the the storytelling uh it's definitely not my forte either i'm not that kind of creative person heck i can't even paint a miniature off the top of my head obviously (laughs) uh so it's not my forte. I like a little more structured rules. That's kind of why I like don't like RPGs personally. Like the RPGs, that's a very creative thing. You're having to 
role play as a character and make stuff up. That's not what I do. Right. Which and is interesting. You kind of like story. Uh, you kind of like RPG, which I, is kind of the storytelling. Aspect. I like RPGs, but sitting down to play a board game, to me, in my mind, it's structured. There's game components, this, as where you're playing a role playing game. I know I'm going into that. So, but, could, but is it just more just your expectations? Like, could yes. you go in a Dixit making, well, this is more of like a role playing game. Not that Dixit is anything close to role playing because that right. game sucks, uh, but more like a Call of Adventure. Could this be into a little more structured RPG where I'm building my character and creating a story, like a right. backstory? Now, that could be the aspect of it. Um, I may enjoy that more, but I haven't come across. But these other sitting down to a board game where it's very loose and this where in an RPG, I mean, I it's that's very structured. Something like a shadow run. Oh my gosh! Dude, oh that, sure, sure. That creating that's very structured way of creating yeah. You can't your just make crap play. up. No, you can't. That's where I where me. I'm structured. I'm focused. I'm points. I I would enjoy that. But just that. Okay, I draw a card. Now I got to tell a story. Okay, I roll a die. Now I tell a story. That it. I yeah. That to me is not. Uh, it seems not as enjoyable versus a structured aspect that I spent and I created a character. Now we're going down to this specific plot line. Now I'm acting out my character in a certain way uh, that is highly structured and uh, has uh, rules and uh, paths to follow and things versus a very open of, yeah, like these Dixits where you, you pull a card and it's kind of apples to apples like. It's, um, it's, it's yeah. yeah. I can yeah. that. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you for the most part. It'd just be interesting to see how you play some of these more hybrid games. Right. Yeah, I would try that. I'd try that yeah. sometime and see. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, with you. So that's that's your our love and hate this week. Okay, well, that's uh, way over our time. Sorry, Chris, I talked a lot this week, uh, but what are you going to do, right? Um, we do appreciate you listening. A couple things that are happening right now, actually, literally, before we started recording, I was uh, working on our website. So that is happening right now. Uh, it's not going to be live probably for a few weeks. It's going to take me a little time to build it. Um, especially being an IT person, doing this kind of stuff, sometimes they get a little particular and perfectionist, but... Um, I'm also working on a logo redesign. So, you know, our picture that you see on your podcast app with the two guys sitting on the table with uh, supposed to be a stack of board games, uh, that, that logo is going away. So we are working on a new logo. We're kind of rebranding a little bit, something a little more modern looking, a little more catchy. Um, so we're working on that too. And I want to roll that out with the website, uh, at least roll it out before the website so the website kind of has the new design and color scheme so i'm working on that so something to look forward to uh right now the hurdle i'm working at is trying to get the our database uh integrated and the be automatically uploaded to the website um so yeah we'll figure it out right chris yes oh absolutely we, we're two it guys we can we can uh, brainstorm and figure something out as we just hit buttons until yes, it works exactly. right exactly or reboot that's the one thing it's just reboot yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so that's what I'm working on. So that's some fun uh, podcast news. Uh, we also have, I, I mean, we combined, we got a lot of games coming in, especially f also for Christmas. So we got a lot of new games, I think, on the horizon that we'll be playing and talking about. So some uh, fun things there. Uh, but really the main focus with the podcast right now is just trying to get the website up and going and get the 
the logo. And then after that, I, I definitely want to start working on trying to get some new guests on the show. You know, get Joe from the Delt Hand, um, maybe some local people, uh, maybe get some more guests on like Corey once in a while, um, or maybe even some of our other friends from the podcast want yeah. to contribute. One time, one thing at a time. It's hard to do 20 things, <laughs> get everything coordinated and going. So um, other than that, anything else uh, that's been going on, Chris, that you want to uh, end with? Oh, no, just uh, like I said, busy with wrestling, busy with holiday stuff, busy with work, just all the family things that's going on. So I uh, sure. relish just the time we get to sit down and play some games and looking forward to getting some of these new ones in for the Christmas time and over the holidays, uh, uh, time off from work, uh, sure. playing some of those. So definitely looking forward to that. Yep. And, and the plan is definitely for the podcast is to keep releasing this every week on Mondays. We'll keep doing that. I mean, we just never know. There might be different people on the podcast depending on our availability schedule, but we will get this podcast out on Mondays. It might, might look or sound different, but we'll get her done and then uh, things might be get a little back to normal. All right. Well, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, sorry for ramble on some of those games, but you know, sometimes uh, I just get in a talkative mood. That's not abnormal. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) But just a friendly reminder, please review and rank us on your iTunes or whatever podcast app you are consuming this on. We do appreciate that as always. Follow us on our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Games We Play Pod, where we post news, pictures, and anything else that uh, really I want. Hopefully soon I can say, hey, follow us on our website. But that's coming. TBD. It's coming. I'm really excited about it. If you do have any ideas or things that you think you would like to see on the website, uh, give us an email at gamesweplaypod at gmail.com. I am talking about having embedded players. I want our Instagram on there. I do want a blog post. And I I don't necessarily want to blog about just the games we play, like what we're talking about on the podcast, but just our day-to-day stuff, the other games we play. Because to be honest, this week, I played like Gonshawn Clever. I I I mean there's tons of other games that unfortunately I just don't get time enough to talk about um, that usually end up coming on future plays. So those are the kind of things I like I want to post about. And even I want to post about like creating this podcast because um, you know, maybe somebody out there is wanting to podcast or get into some content creation and maybe I can be some inspiration or maybe give you some uh, ideas of things not to do, learn maybe from our mistakes. Um, so that's kind of stuff I want to uh, post on there. So if there's anything else you would like to see on there, definitely feel free to reach out to us. Join us next week for episode 32. And until next week, I am Brian. And I am Chris. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GamesWePlayPod and at GamesWePlayPod at gmail.com. Episode 31, Dixit is overrated. No offense to people who like Dixit. Are you published it or are you a designer or art worker in the game? The art is actually really good. The thoughts and words expressed by the hosts of this show are theirs and theirs alone. Especially mine, because I, I have opinions. Yeah, legally. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very opinionated. It's all good. <laughs>